Welcome back to the Type 1 Tribe podcast. This is your host, Samantha Hildebrandt. Today, I am interviewing Lauren Smith. She was diagnosed with celiac disease eight years ago, and then recently was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. We dive into all of these autoimmune diseases, what it's like to live with both celiac and type 1, and how she manages both diseases. So let's get into it. Hi, Lauren. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much. Tell us where you're at. Where are you based? I am in Utah. So I'm in like a suburb, not necessarily suburb. I'm further south of Salt Lake City, but you know, I'm like, I don't know, 45 minutes south of Salt Lake City. So the general Salt Lake area. Okay. Yeah. Here in Utah. Yes, I'm I'm born and raised here in Utah. I'm born I've lived like my growing up in a really small town where there was nothing and thank goodness I wasn't gluten-free then because there's nothing in that small town. Um but yeah, I've I've been in Utah, you know, majority of my life. I lived for a small stint in Canada and that's where I met my husband and my husband's Canadian and now we live here. Oh, that's awesome. So I've never been to Salt Lake, but I'm in Denver, so I'm like I'm not that far. Oh, away. close. Yeah. <laughs> I can I love Denver. Yes. It's, I mean, it's, we traveled with there. Yeah. Similar climate. I, we, we traveled there a lot. We spent a lot of time in Denver and Colorado Springs and it's, it's a nice area. We like to vacation over there. Yeah. It's such a short flight. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I haven't gotten over yet, but yeah, you got to get to Salt Lake. Salt Lake's got lots of good stuff to offer. <laughs> well, it's funny because I don't ski or anything. So I would have to come in the mm-hmm. summer and do some like hiking or something, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you do for fun? Well, I feel like my business like takes up so much of my life. I'm a mom. I have two small kids. Um, I've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old, two little girls. And then um, I, you know, I, I run my own business and that's a big part of like, I don't know, my whole personality, I feel like. <laughs> um, but I love, I love going to the gym. I'm a big like exercise gym junkie. So I, I spend at least an hour every day at the gym and I like to do that. And we're into games and we're very into traveling and concerts, music. We, I feel like we spend majority of our like play money on traveling for concerts. We really like to go and travel and do music things. So those are kind of my hobbies. (laughs) Like your favorite, either music artist or band. Um, my favorite music artist is Lord and I've actually seen her twice in Denver. So I've been to Denver twice to see her. And then, um, we've been to Denver for a handful of concerts actually because, you know, if they don't come to Salt Lake, they're going to Vegas or to Denver. And so we'll go to either Vegas or Denver to go to a concert. But yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. That's cool. So tell us about your celiac diagnosis. So I'm coming up on eight years since my celiac diagnosis. Um, I lived with symptoms that were celiac related for probably eight plus years before I was diagnosed. So I started having symptoms then when I think back to it, it's like I was having symptoms when I was like 9, 10, 11 years old. I started having symptoms. Um, I was medicated for and, um, for acid reflux when I was 12. So I started taking um, an, an acid medication at age of 12 and just kind of was dealing with symptoms, masking symptoms with drugs for like a decade. Um, and then when I was 20... Sixth, I was diagnosed with celiac. I had had... I had had some esophageal surgery and I had had my gallbladder removed and I had had all sorts of like just lots of problems, 
but no doctor ever tested me for celiac. I had never heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. And so um, in 2016, I went into the emergency room with what I thought was like my appendix had ruptured. I was in so much pain. I couldn't move. I was like dying. Basically, um, I went into the emergency room and they took like, you know, they did a scope and they were like, you have multiple bleeding ulcers in your stomach. Like, can you tell us why, like, why would you have, what, what medications are you taking basically? And I told them I take Excedrin migraine every single day. I, I was masking a migraine every day and that was just destroying my stomach. Um, and I was taking an antacid every day still for the last over a decade. And they were like, okay, well, we want to do a biopsy and just like see what's going on. And so they did a biopsy while I was in the emergency room. I, I ended up getting admitted to the hospital. Um, and then the next day they called me and they just said, you have celiac disease. And I'm like, what is that? Like, I don't know what that is. And I went into a doctor's appointment, like to see a GI after original diagnosis. And they just told me you need to eat a gluten-free diet. And they gave me a pamphlet and they sent me on my way. And that was literally all I was given was a two page open pamphlet telling me that I needed to eat gluten-free and it rocked my world <laughs> to say the least. Um, and it took, it took me over two years to really feel like I was even like in control of the diet or understanding what it meant to really be gluten-free, what the seriousness was. Like I was just given zero education whatsoever. And I did it all by myself, Googling, researching videos. And this was, you know, back in 2016, when like the resources just were not available. There wasn't as much, there weren't studies, there weren't content creators. There weren't like, there was just nothing like that existed. So I just did it all on my own for two, at least two years before I was like, I'm going to just start searching the hashtags, you know? So I started searching hashtags and I found someone else in my area who was posting like recipes on her Instagram. And I was like, why am I not doing this? I've been doing this for over two years, like I know what groceries are worth the money. I know what restaurants I can eat at. I've done all the trial and error by myself for years. So I just kind of started an Instagram page back in 2018, just sharing what groceries I was buying. And um, because I just was like, I would have killed to have had a resource like this when I was first diagnosed. Because you know, when you're diagnosed with type one and diabetes educator comes to your hospital room or you go to an appointment, you have a diabetes education appointment, right? Nothing like that exists for celiac. Like a, a doctor could say you could should go see a dietitian, but unless your dietitian actually lives gluten-free themselves, they don't know what it's really like and the emotional, social, mental toll that it takes on your body, right? And your mental health. And so I, I saw a huge gap for like, you know, especially after my type one diagnosis, I was like, why aren't there celiac educators? And so I kind of just created a job for myself that is a celiac educator that does what a diabetes educator would do, but I do it for people with celiac disease. So it, it, it's been something that has been like turning lemons into lemonade and, and now I'm eight years in and it's like, well, celiac is just like my life and I'm just used to it and it's not hard for me anymore, but it was hard for several, several years. It is so, it is so difficult. And like you mentioned, yeah. especially with type one, it just is like a whole thing, but yeah, it's, I mean, that's impressive that you did that and you're totally right about, I mean, I can't imagine what was that, like, I guess like six years ago or seven years ago when you were diagnosed or eight years ago, mm -hmm. Yeah, there was nothing probably even on the market. Like now, thankfully there's food products that are gluten-free and just makes it yeah. a little easier. But back then I'm sure there wasn't anything like that. 
It was, it was a lot harder for sure. I mean, the, we live in the glory days of gluten-free now <laughs> and there's access to everything and there's a swap for everything and you can find your favorite things in a gluten-free alternative. And it's amazing now, but I mean, in 2016, it was still just like, I just, there was just so much trial and error. I would spend, you know, seven, $8 on a loaf of bread that I just would hope tasted good. Right. And then, then if it didn't, it was just thrown away or I would try baking from scratch gluten-free and I'd end up just dumping the entire batch of something in the garbage can because it tasted like crap. Like it just was so much trial and error and lots of tears and lots of sadness and <laughs> like really big emotions are connected to food. And so it was just really hard. And so, yeah, I mean, people who are diagnosed like now, I'm just like, it's a breeze. I'm like, you can do it. I'm like, it is easy. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah I well I like I don't know it's still not that easy <laughs> even when even when I was diagnosed you're right they they offered a dietitian but I think I turned it down because I was like no like I'm just gonna figure this out myself but <laughs> they do need yeah it's like thank god for you yeah. because people need help yeah they need help I just saw a need for there was just no one to bridge the gap between diagnosis and starting to really figure it out and thrive and for me, like I said, it took me over two years, but like my, my goal in my business is to help people's learning curve be less than six months, right? Like give you all the education and all of the like training, if you will, on what it actually means to live a strict gluten-free diet, how to advocate for yourself, what questions to ask, where to grocery shop, what groceries are good, what, what things are worth it, like how to travel, how to navigate Thanksgiving, how to navigate social settings, like a dietitian can't teach you those things, right? They don't know what it's like to actually live with the disease. And so, and, and I, when I was, when I had a diabetes educator come, when I was diagnosed with type one, that diabetes educator had type one themselves. And so I felt like I can understand, like they understand the lingo. They understand like what it's actually like to deal with a low or how to, how to correct a high, right? Where, where I was like somebody who doesn't live with it is just saying words but they don't actually live with the disease, right? So I, I, I pride myself in being a celiac educator because I live with celiac, right? Yeah. I know what it's like. I know the emotions. I know the toll that it takes. You know, even this last week with Thanksgiving, like I had a mental breakdown with, because I have such a hard time with my family. And my, you know, I was, I was diagnosed in adulthood. So my siblings never had to adapt to my lifestyle. So now we're all adults and they're just like, Lauren can do her own thing. She can make all her own food. She can do her, she, you know, we don't have to worry about her. She'll do all of her own things. And I'm like, I don't think people realize the mental toll that it has to be gluten-free. Like I miss the traditional foods and I'm sad because I can't eat grandma's coffee cake. And I'm sad, you know what I mean? Like there's emotions that are connected to the disease. And someone who doesn't live with it can't relate to you like that, you know, and, and not to say dietitians aren't good because there can definitely be benefits to meeting with a dietitian, but surrounding celiac disease, you should either find someone to consult with who lives with celiac disease like me or find a dietitian who has celiac disease themselves. Right. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's funny you brought that up though, about like eating meals with other people that don't have celiac because to me now that I like eat gluten-free it's not that hard to swap things like to, you know, like use gluten-free flour instead or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like it's not that hard. And so the fact that people don't make the effort just kind of pisses me off. Cause I'm like, Oh yes. It's not that hard. It's not like it's taking you an extra 10 hours to make this. Like no, not at all. So yeah. 
Yeah, tell them, uh, I, I, like, I could get my blood boiling on, <laughs> on this topic specifically. I have, I have a hard time with my family. It's, it causes me a lot of stress and food anxiety and sadness. And there's just so many emotions attached to food. And unless someone understands, they just think you're being whiny. And I'm like, I'm not trying to be whiny. I'm just sad, you know? And like, I'm, and my husband was like, I, you know, I kind of had a breakdown and I was upset and I was crying. And my husband was like, I just felt like you've kind of gotten over this. Like this doesn't affect you that much anymore. And I'm like, it really doesn't like it, it takes a lot for it to take a toll on me. I'm usually always prepared. I always do my part and I'm always doing everything that I can to make sure I have an enjoyable dining experience with others. But after three days with my family of like no one accommodating or helping or having any empathy whatsoever, I just was like worn down, you know, like I'm not perfect. I feel like I, I preach that you can live with this disease and still have joy and fulfillment and still live a wonderful, fulfilling life. But that doesn't mean that like things don't still take an emotional toll on me, you know, so it happens and we just have to pick ourselves back up and be more prepared for next time or make changes and set boundaries and stuff like that. So yeah, it's I mean, hard. I, I get it. We do the best we can. I mean, some days yeah. are just going to upset us and that's just what it is. Yeah. Even if you've accepted it fully, you're going to have days yeah. where you're like, screw this. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. when were you diagnosed with type one? In 2021. So, um, I was diagnosed. So I had my last pregnancy was in 2020 and, you know, I did the, um, the glucose test and I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes with my last baby. And so I was managing my diabetes then. And then, um, I, after I had her, I was, you know, still getting routinely tested, checking my glucose, stuff like that. And I went completely back to normal for a year and a half. I never showed signs of type one or type two or anything. Um, and then COVID <laughs> and then I got COVID or either COVID or the vaccine triggered, um, the autoimmune disease in me because I have the gene, my brother has type one. Um, and so, I mean, some, something or other would have probably triggered it at some point, but I think that it was COVID related. Um, and I was diagnosed November of 2021, which is, I had just gotten back from a trip in Europe. We had just spent two weeks in Europe and I was dealing with symptoms in Europe, but I didn't know that they were type one symptoms. So, you know, I was eating pasta, pizza, gelato every day. <laughs> and like, I was like, when I eventually was admitted to the emergency room after I was having symptoms for several weeks and I just like, I don't know, I was just kind of like, I don't know if I was in denial, but I just like, didn't think about type one. I was just like, I'm jet lagged from our trip and I'm tired. And you know, like, I don't know, I just, it had just been daylight saving. So I'm like, I'm just like really tired. And I'm really, I was so thirsty. I was peeing a ton, but I just never was like, it's diabetes. Like I just never thought that. Um, even though I know the signs and symptoms, cause my brother has type one. Um, so I called my brother and I told him, I said, Hey, I'm having some of these symptoms and I'm just, I don't know if I should be concerned. And he was like, you should go to an urgent care or to the emergency room. And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> and he was like, no, you really should. And I ended up going to the pharmacy and I asked them if they had like a meter and they were like, we don't. And like somebody who was in my neighborhood, this was still mask time. So I'm like wearing a hat, wearing a mask. Someone behind me was like, Lauren, is that you? And she like took her mask off and she was an old neighbor of mine whose daughter had type one. And she was like, I couldn't help but overhear you at the pharmacy. She was like, I have a meter if you want to like check your blood sugar. And I was like, yeah, I would love to check my blood sugar. And so um, she brought her meter over to my house and my the blood sugar meter just read high. And I was like, 
okay, what's high? I don't know. Like, I just didn't know what that meant. So I call my brother. He's like, it's too high to read. He's like, you're too high. You need to go. And I'm like, you know, and then I was so thirsty. I drank like a full glass of orange juice, which now that I like understand <laughs> diabetes, my brother's like, why would you drink orange juice? And I was like, I was thirsty. <laughs> um, anyway, I went to the emergency room. My blood sugar was like 620. Um, and I, my A1C was 13.1. So I had been running high for probably two months, maybe maybe two months. Um, and I was just like, you know, keeping on keeping on just I was just so tired. I was so exhausted. But I was like, I'm a new mom. I just got I, yeah, I just like all these excuses were in my head. Um, and then maybe two, three months after my diagnosis. Well, one other thing, which, you know, I had the typical type one symptoms. But then right after my diagnosis, like within a week, I was losing my vision. So like, I was starting to like go blind. I'm not joking. And I had just had LASIK in August. So I'm like, I have 20-20 vision, but all of a sudden I'm like having to, I went and had to go get readers from the dollar store. I had to turn like my text up, the screen size on my phone all the way up to be able to even read a text. And I was like, I'm losing my vision. And you know, that's a diabetes thing. I just didn't know that it was because my freaking A1C was 13.1. Um, and yeah, so I just like, once I started managing my blood sugar and I was on insulin and I was taking care of all of that, I was just having crazy lows. Like I was having so many lows, but my doctor told me to take 20 units of Lantus. So I'm taking 20 units of Lantus and I am just plummeting multiple times a day. Like I just cannot figure out how to manage. I'm going high, then I'm going low and I am just a roller coaster all day. And this was like before I even had a CGM, like I couldn't get a CGM for a couple months because my insurance didn't like recognize I had diabetes yet. Right. So I'm finger pricking, I don't know, freaking 30 times a day, which was just so exhausting. I'm having mental breakdowns left and right. I'm so like, I'm just so mad. I had so much anger and so much frustration. Like I don't deserve this disease. Like I already have celiac and that's already so hard for me to manage. Um, and then, yeah, it, <laughs> when I like think back about it, I'm like, I have PTSD. Like it is so it was so hard and I just couldn't, I don't know. I just couldn't manage. I just could not. And I still like, I'm still two years in and I am not great at managing my diabetes. I still feel like, well, I'm still honeymooning. So that's like a unique situation for me. After a couple of months, I went to see my endo and I just said, listen, I am having four or five lows a day. I'm like, it is getting really bad. And I'm like, I just don't think that I, like I told her, I'm like, I don't think I have diabetes. I'm like, I think something, I think I was misdiagnosed <laughs> because I was like exercising every day and then just like plummeting. And like, and I was trying to figure out, cause I was, I've been, I've always been a runner. And so I'm trying to figure out how to run with type one diabetes. Like, how do I exercise with this? Like, it, then there was that trial and error where I'm trying to figure out, should I fast? Should I eat? Should I you know, and then I'd be at the gym and I'd have to drink a juice box and wait for 20 minutes. And I'm just like, it just was a roller coaster. And I was so angry. Um, so they ended up diagnosing me with type one, um, LADA, L-A-D-A. It's like a latent adult diabetes. Um, and it's, I'm, so I'm not fully insulin dependent yet. Um, they said, you know, my pancreas is still working. Um, but it could, basically die out at any time. And so then I kind of had a mindset shift where I was like, I want to 
give my pancreas the longest life possible. So what can I do to adjust my diet, adjust my exercise routine so that I can give my pancreas the longest life. And I read a book, I read this book called The Glucose Revolution. Have you ever heard of that book? No. Um, her name's Jessie on Schnapp or something. She's French, but she wrote a book all about like um, glucose spikes and the and the harm, uh, the harms of glucose spikes, not just for type one, it's for all people and how we all, we all have glucose spikes, how to eliminate or reduce glucose spikes and how to like, properly eat our food in the right order to eliminate glucose spikes. Anyway, so I read this book and it like changed my whole mindset and it changed like it really like impacted me drastically. And me and my husband read it together. And so he started incorporating all these like glucose hacks and I started incorporating all these glucose hacks. And I pretty much switched my lifestyle to eating a fully paleo diet. Um and I figured out that fasting was the best thing for me. So I fast every day. I work out fasted. Um, and then I have figured out how to adjust my long acting insulin. I only take eight units of long acting insulin because I just don't need all of, I don't need 20 units. I don't need, you know, there are certain times where I'll increase my long acting. Like if I'm going to be eating a lot of food or something, you know, but for the most part, I'm managing with diet and exercise. Um, and I'm just fingers crossed that I can give my pancreas as long of life as I can. And I, I just hit my two year anniversary last two weeks ago. And I'm still in this honeymoon phase and my, I still have like my pancreas still works at like 50%. So I'm just in like such a weird situation where like, I can't fully relate to other diabetics who are hundred percent insulin dependent because you know, you would, you know, how many, how many units would you take of short acting to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? So my, my, well, <laughs> I'm also, I also don't take that much insulin. Um, okay. like mine's like one to 15 right now. So one unit for 15 carbs. Okay. So I, because I, my pancreas still works, like I would take like one unit to eat that sandwich and then maybe correct later. But I, if I take all of the insulin, my pancreas might spit out some insulin and then I just plummet, right? So I can't just like pre-bolus for the amount of carbs that the meal is because I just don't know if my pancreas is going to give me some. And so it's like a guess, it's like, you know, all diabetes is like a freaking guessing game, I feel like, but, um, but it's just, I'm in a unique situation where like my brother, for example, would be like, oh, I would take this many units for that. And I would be like, I would take way less than that because my pancreas might give me some. And I like, I'm always having to like, I don't know, just, it, I just feel like I'm in a different situation. And I, I felt really alone for, I mean, still now I still feel really alone in the, in the disease, even though millions of people have diabetes, type one diabetes. I just feel like I just can't relate to anyone else because I'm still honeymooning and I have this like adult onset type one where I'm not a hundred percent insulin dependent. So I'm just in a unique situation and it makes it challenging for me. And yeah. So, I mean, I just like word vomited a million things to you. So I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, you know what? I'm very similar to you also. Like my first two years. So I, I'm only three years in also. Okay. Okay. My first two years was the same. Like I barely took any insulin. And then my doctor is like, this, that's insane. Like she's never even seen this before. I still don't take that much. And even like you mentioned, like if I were to eat pizza, if I were to take the full amount of insulin up front for pizza, I would for sure drop. So I have to split it like, you know, like all these things. Mm -hmm. So I kind of understand where you're coming from because I do have some friends who have had diabetes for like, you know, 10 years now and they like, they have to take all this. It's insulin. just different. Like, yeah. The amount that I have to take. And I'm like, it doesn't make any sense to me, but 
that's diabetes for you. Like everyone's so different. So at what age were you diagnosed with type one? 29 and I'm 32. Yes. Oh my gosh. And I also was diagnosed after COVID they believe. Wow. We're, our stories are so similar. I was 33. When did you have COVID? Like how soon was it before you were diagnosed? Well, I was, I never actually had COVID or tested positive for COVID. It was right after I was vaccinated. So it was within 30 days of my second dose, I started having symptoms. So I think that it was, you know, I don't want to say vaccine related. I just say COVID related because it's, you know, something in the COVID bubble happened. <laughs> and I think that's what caused the trigger of the, the gene. Well, I mean, yeah. like nobody knows, obviously, but my, yeah. celiac, or my celiac, it's not, I'm not celiac, but my gluten sensitivity came after the vaccine also. Oh yeah. Well, See, and I'm so curious. I, I, it makes me wonder if you actually had celiac, but like maybe your numbers just weren't high enough for them to diagnose it. Cause your symptoms sound like celiac related symptoms and that's what's so hard about celiac is not just like type one is like you can't compare yourself to someone else because symptoms are different for everyone's human body right like some I have a a cousin who has a son who like is like failure to thrive who is like so sick and just just looks so unwell he's just like this teeny tiny kid that should be reaching certain milestones and he's not and I'm just like has his doctor tested for celiac? And he's like, no, we've done food allergies and he has some food allergies, but we've never tested for celiac. And I'm just like, a, a symptom in children is failure to thrive and not to reach those milestones, like malnourishment, you know? And I'm just like, he's just like, well, he never complains of like stomach issues ever, or like it's ever like sick to his stomach. And I'm like, some people don't have any gastro symptoms whatsoever. It can be neurological. It can be skin. It can be you know, bone, it can be muscle, it can be like, there's just so many different symptoms that you can't say, well, oh, I I don't have stomach issues. So it's not celiac. It's like, no, 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 we need to do away with that idea that celiac is just stomach related. Because for me, it was daily migraines and hives and rashes all over my forearms and in between my fingers and just chronic fatigue. I was so tired. I was so inflamed in my face. Like when I look at pictures of me before diagnosis, I'm like, I was so unwell. Like I look at pictures of myself and I'm like, look how sick I look. Like I can just see in my eyes, in my face, mm-hmm. in my body, how inflamed I was just living with chronic illness and chronic sickness. But you know, no one was testing for celiac. And I'm just like, every doctor should be testing for celiac. Mm-hmm. It's just a rising autoimmune disease. And I just think that so many people are like, well, it's not stomach related. So it's not that. And I'm like, let's just do away with that idea. It's just not correct anymore. You know, especially because you could do a simple blood test to see if it's elevated. And then if you need to do endoscopy, like, okay, but yeah, do the blood test at least. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it's hard. It's, 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 um, I mean, it, you know, when I get like into the nitty gritty of it, you know, it's, it's really hard, but I honestly, like, I feel super blessed. I'm healthy. I'm well, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing good. I I struggle with managing my type one at times. Um, but the celiac for me, it's been, you know, almost eight years. So I'm just like, it's not hard for me anymore. And I can understand, like, I'll talk to people who are like, I was just diagnosed with celiac and it is just so hard. And because it's been so many years since I was in that phase, I'm like, 
don't worry. Like it's going to get easier. I promise with, with time it will get easier and you're going to get better at it. Just like you got better with your type one, you know, like you first get diagnosed with type one and it is so hard, but then five years later, you're like, well, this is just my life. Like I'm just used to it. I know how to manage. I know how to, I know how to correct. I know how to treat a low. I know how much insulin I need. I know how to carb count, right? You like learn the skills. And that's the same with celiac is you just have to learn the skills with experience and scenarios, throwing yourself under the bus a hundred times so that you can learn how to like be better for the next situation, you know? And so it, time, time is what makes things get better. And, you know, I'm still just hit my two year, two year thing with diabetes and I still am like struggling. And my husband's always reminding me, like, remember when you were two years after your celiac and you were still struggling, like. He's like, it's just going to take time until you adapt and you adjust. And then, you know, and so I'm, I'm still in the adjustment period with my type one, but with my celiac, I'm like, I got this. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm a champion at living gluten-free, but just still not a champion at living with type one yet. <laughs> How about them together? Like, do you struggle with, you know, because before you didn't have to worry about like the extra carbs in the gluten-free oh, bread. Oh yeah. Like yes. This is where I struggle is I, I do tend to run. I hate even admitting this, but I tend to run high a lot. I end up just like running high because I am like more scared of running low than running high, which, you know, is not great for my A1C. And I, and I haven't had my A1C checked in like probably a year, maybe like I lost my insurance. No, I didn't lose my insurance. I changed insurances. So I lost my doctor and I was like, I don't want to have to find a new doctor and I don't want to have to like start all over with another doctor. And so I haven't had my A1C checked in a while. Um, but my, my, and my husband lost his job like two, three months ago. And so we haven't had insurance. Like the, the, the pharmacy just called me. They're like, we have your Dexcoms ready. And I'm like, well, I can't pay. I'm not paying out of pocket for my Dexcom. So I'm just finger pricking until and he got a new job, but it doesn't start until like December 15th. So I'm like, we're just finger pricking until I can get the Dexcoms. But, yeah. and that's also another thing is just diabetes is expensive. It is just such an, I mean, and so is celiac. Celiac is a very expensive diet to be following, you know, and all of our money goes to food, all of our money. And I'm, and I'm very like, health conscious and I, I like to eat organic when I can. And I like to, you know, I'm just like, but between celiac and type one together, it has opened doors for me that have allowed me to like open my mind to just like more health related things, right? Like I'm just way more conscious of food choices and the impact food has on my body. And so I'm just, I'm kind of snobby when it comes to food. I'm like, I want to take care of my body and I want to make sure that I'm eating things that are going to fuel my body and they're going to, I don't know, I just kind of have, it's just open doors for me that have allowed me to learn so much about the human body and what food does to us, which has been a huge blessing too. Like that has been a really huge eye opener for me mm -hmm. that I would have not otherwise had ever like dove into health related things, you know, longevity and just, just things like that, you know, but it is challenging. Like I had a low a couple of months ago at the pediatrician's office with my kids and I didn't have anything with me. And I just kind of started plummeting super fast. And the nurse was like, you don't look very good. Like, are you okay? And I was just like, I was like, yeah, I have type one and my blood sugar is just a little too low. And she's like, oh, let me go grab you something. And before I could say anything, she like left and she came back with a crumble cookie. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't eat crumble cookies. And she was like, oh, well, let me go grab you something else. And then she came and brought me like this like granola bar that had wheat in it too. And I'm like, I, I can't eat that. So it's like, it, it requires you to not just be prepared for lows, but be prepared for lows with things that 
meet my dietary restrictions, right? So that's another like difficult aspect of it is like, if you've already been living with type one, you always, you have your like snacks that you have on hand and you have your things that can bring your blood sugar up. But now if you get diagnosed with celiac, it's like, you have to make sure that everything that you have on hand is also gluten-free so that you're not, you know, causing another problem if you're eating gluten, right? And um, so I'm a big juice box gal. I, I, I'm, I keep juice, juice boxes with me everywhere because I can't like, or like an apple or like, you know, some grapes or something like that. But, and I have kids, so I always have like applesauce pouches or I have like a random sucker in my bag or like something like that, you know? But that's, I've, I've run into that twice now where some, I, I wasn't prepared for the low and then someone offered me something and it was something that was gluten and I can't eat it. Right. So that, that is difficult, you know, to manage, but for the most part, I'm, I'm usually prepared for a low. Um, but I mean, I feel like if I was diagnosed with both so close together, it would just be so much more difficult because I had already had celiac for six years when I was diagnosed. I just was like, that's nothing new to me. Like the celiac is something I've already man been managing for a long time. So my heart goes out to anyone who was type one and then shortly after celiac because you're already thrown a massive life curveball and now it's like let me throw you another one and now you have to figure this out and you just figured out how to carb count and you just figured out how to manage your kid's blood sugar and now they can't eat that and they can't eat that and they can't have goldfish and they can't have this and it's just like it's a lot and so that's why you know I do what I do because I'm like you will start drowning if you try to do this alone like you need you need a coach you need help I needed help desperately. And it took me so long that I'm just like, I don't want it to take that long for anyone else. I want to be able to give people hope, give them the resources that they need so that they can turn the corner faster than it took for me. It's it's also just necessary. So you don't feel alone because like, you yeah, earlier, like getting just all these diagnoses, you're like, Oh my God, but nobody else is getting these. Like, why am I getting these? And then you start that spiral effect of just, you're like, this is awful. I feel alone. And so just mm -hmm. having a coach like you too, just to like talk to and like, it, it's almost like a therapist for celiac. Yes. Yes. And when I was first diagnosed with type one, I was really having a hard time, like just like managing my emotions, but I'm like, I don't want to go see a therapist unless they have type one too. I'm like, I need to talk to someone who also understands it. And now, you know, I'm a part of this community and on and on the online community is amazing. And the celiac community is amazing. I'm in a type one Facebook group here in Utah and the community is amazing. And I'm like, without those community groups, I would feel so much more alone. And, you know, I tell people who are recently diagnosed, if I, if I'm on a client call with them, like join some Facebook groups, join a community group, start searching hashtags for people whose resources are actually going to help you. And I send my, my clients like a handful of Instagram accounts that they can follow that are actually going to teach them and give them educational content, right? By following. Um, and that's really helpful too. Like the more people that you're following that are giving you education, they're helping filling in the gaps while you're also just trying your best, right? And so the online community can be a massive help too. It makes such difference. So tell us yeah. more about your coaching business. Is it, is it like one-to-one -one coaching or how does it work? Yes. Yes. So I started the one-on-one -on -one coaching in 2021. Um, and I've, I've consulted with over a hundred clients in the last couple of years and I can consult with anyone all over the world. And that's, what's so awesome about this amazing, you know, online world that we have. Um, and, you know, 
you'd sign up through like the link in my Instagram bio or my TikTok bio where you can like DM me and I'll send you the link to sign up. And then it just all works via email. So then I'll send you a survey and you'll fill out and I cater every call to every person's individual needs. So there's like a survey that you fill out so that I can get information on like how long you've been diagnosed. What's your lifestyle like? What's your living conditions? What's your education? Like what kind of education did you get from your doctor? What, what are you struggling with the most so that I can cater the one hour consultation to you? Um, and we just do it over Zoom, just like this. And, you know, so I have given the client the information that they need so that when we get on the call, I have like five, six bullet points that are absolute necessities you need to know and understand and have the education about um, when you're first diagnosed because your doctor most likely didn't tell you anything. And that's the case for almost everyone, which is so unfortunate. And so I'm here to help fill the gaps, give you the information that you need, give you multiple scenarios. We do role play. We do um, different types of dialogue, conversations you can have with your family, teaching you how to teach your family, teaching you how to advocate for yourself at a restaurant, um, how to travel, all the best apps that are going to help you, um, all the best accounts that are going to help you. So I am just here to basically fire hose an hour's worth of information that is going to be life-changing for you when you're first diagnosed so that you're not taking two years to figure it out and you're shortening that learning curve to, you know, three to six months. That's my goal is to help people feel like they have a grasp and they have the education that they need. So six months from their diagnosis, they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing better. I'm feeling better mentally, emotionally, physically. I'm actually healing. I'm actually feeling well. My symptoms are going away, right? Like that's my goal and it's all lifestyle. So I don't, I don't dive into anything that's like dietetic related. We don't, we don't talk about blood work and diet and diet plans and things like that. That's the dietitian route, right? And you can go with the dietitian. There are dietitian groups that are specifically work with clients who have celiac disease, but mine is just a lot more lifestyle, right? Like here is how I plan a trip. This is what your next vacation is going to look like and how to be prepared for next vacation. This is what you can expect at your next social gathering and how to be mentally prepared. And, you know, just things like that, that are like, this is a day-to-day, day-to-day occurrences that are going to happen and how I can prepare you for those. And then I'm, I'm your consult, I'm your consultant forever, right? So you have a one-on-one consultation that's an hour long, and then you have access to me. You have my number, you have my email, and I am here to be your guide forever. So like, I still have clients that will text me every so often and send me pictures of something at the grocery store and be like, have you tried this? Is this any good? Or, Hey, I'm really struggling with this, with my family thing. I just would love to like talk to someone. I'll voice memo you back. Like I am here to be your coach as long as you need you are paying for a one hour consultation call it's 115 dollars, but then from there on out you have access to me always so it's great because then you have a resource you have a lifeline you have someone that you can talk to um, and you can who you can relate to and build a friendship with and feel like you actually have a gluten-free friend right and um that's really important when you're at the beginning because you just feel so alone so that's kind of what the consulting business is um and what I love to do. I just like my joy and my passion. I just love to talk with people and and I've consulted with people all over the world, like I said, and you know, some people have resources where they live, they live in a bigger city and they have access to all of this great stuff. And then some people live in teeny tiny rural towns and have nothing. And so I'm just catering the call specifically to everyone's individual needs. Yeah, it's that last part's funny because I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio. And when I go home to see my family, I'm like, this is terrible because there's no oh. 
mountains in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. I know the feeling that's my small town that I'm from. And that's where I just spent Thanksgiving. And I like, you know, everyone's going bowling and getting pizza. And I'm like, I don't get to eat pizza. Like I don't get to eat all the food and there's no restaurants in the town I can eat at. The only places in this like small town are like fast food or fast casual that are not gluten-free safe. And so, you know, I'm just having a mental breakdown in the car because I'm jealous everyone's eating pizza and I don't get to eat pizza, you know? <laughs> so I know small town living can be really hard. So we talk about things like that and how to, you know, how to combat the different lifestyle challenges that you're dealing with, with the disease. That's awesome. That's so great. It's definitely needed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have any last minute tips for our listeners? Either um, back or type one. Um, let's see. Type one, I feel like I'm not smart enough to give people advice. I'm like, I'm just barely hanging on with the type one still. Um, but with celiac, if you're recently diagnosed, my my number one tip is to not do it alone. Don't be like, I can, I'm just going to wing it. Winging it is not going to be in your favor. Winging it is going to take you way longer than you think it's going to be. And you're going to have way more meltdowns and feel just so discouraged if you do it alone. So don't do it alone. Schedule a consultation. Get in a community. Join Facebook groups. Follow Instagram accounts, TikTok accounts that are going to educate you so that you're just being fed information to help fill the gaps. So get a community. Schedule a consultation call. Don't do it alone. That's my number one advice. Yay. Love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Of course. I'm so happy. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. It is officially 2024, which is crazy. And that means new year, new me. If you are interested in joining our Facebook group, head over to Facebook, type in type one tribe in the search bar and our group will pop up. You have to answer a couple questions to get into the group, just asking if you have type one diabetes. And if so, we will add you to the group. So make sure to head over there and we will see you guys in the Facebook group. Okay, <laughs> see ya.